Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai weissel Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And welcome to week four of our discussions about Kaldheim's stories. This is a week four of both the main story and the side stories. So we have uh, one week left next week, and then we're going to talk some... Uh, background information that'll help contextualize the Kaldheim story for the people who are uh, newer to magic and by newer to magic sometime in the last like nine years. (laughs) (laughs) We's picking up old threads with the with this set which is nice Um, stuff that people have been wanting to get to but that is a discussion for for the next couple weeks. Uh, Instead, uh, we are going to focus on uh, episode four, Into the Demon's Realm, by uh, Roy Graham with contributions from Jenna Helland. So we start off with Kaya and Tyvar um, emerging into the Immerstrom, Immersturm, apologies, um, and Tybalt has led them there purposefully um, to this encounter, but they find molten, well, arrows dug into the ground by Tybalt's sword. Um, the Well, okay. It's not Tybalt's sword, but he just has it. In his possession currently. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is kind of the premiere moment for, I feel like, Tyvar's abilities. We get his uh-huh. um, so transmutation good. stone bridge, which is... A very, very, very cool function. Like, we just don't really... I mean, we've never had really had, like, a kind of classically magic transmutation character where it's just like, oh, like, I can just weave, weave this stone into an actual bridge across the lava. Right? So, but, like, th- that's something very specific that I think is very cool about Tyvar is, like, yeah, he breaks a lot of conventions of Magic's elves, but there are some just very elfy things he does. Yeah, he's transmuting rock and lava, but the way the bridge the bridge is described was like growing and weaving together. So there's 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 this like sylvanness to it, even though it's non foresty materials. And I think that was very cool. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. And it's cool to have a elf character that isn't reliant on like a classically like elvish ability where it's just like oh they're they're the not giant growth or animist elf they're able to bend trees to their will and whatnot yeah like i i love that his element extends to other things outside of just trees and leaves and dirt and stuff like that it's amazing this is where kaya decides need to have the talks about the um the Eldrazi on the Cosmic Larva, what it means to be a Planeswalkers. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically, like, their obligation to help worlds that are in need and need some kind of um, moral direction to their actions on these worlds, because she has seen what has happened when um, Planeswalkers kind of just not treat worlds like garbage, but um, are using them as a means to end on an end for their own power gain. Uh, Tyver fights back and is like, well, I have my own code and like, I only plan on sticking around on Coldheim anyways. I have plenty of stories to um, be told about me here. And it seems like a waste to have to restart your life on different planes whenever you uh, planes walk to an entirely new world. And their conversation is interrupted by 
lava demon ship. Like it is, um, I'm not sure if we have a reference image for it, but it is, uh, it's in one of the card arts, I'm pretty sure. But they are, I don't even actually know the words that they use to describe them in the story. It is. Uh, for the, the art references on a Cardor Doom Scourge, you can see the ships in the background. They are, they're classic Viking longboats, but their sails are made of, uh, billowing fire. Yeah. Uh, and they, they sail above these, uh, lakes of lava and they have a lot of spikes and metal and yeah, this is, this is your, uh, European power bands, metal album cover art type <laughs> Vikings. When we eventually come to Kaldheim at, on the Magic TV show, the, the this is where they'll have the heavy metal bands playing over at their entrance. <laughs> um, and they have this battle on the actual ship itself with um, demons? I'm trying to... They just call them demons in the story. I don't think there's like a greater nope. term for them on the world. Um, and Kaya uses a variety of phasing magic to both save Tyvar, who is kind of oblivious at points, and also at one point tries to reach into the demon itself to, like, do the fun heart rip move, and that does not go well. It turns out to be, like, an actual furnace inside of it. But Tyvar ends up taking down one of the demons. Kaya beats two of them, and then Tyvar is bragging to her about how that's, like, a monumental feat, and she'll be told about for... Her story will be told for ages on Kaldheim. She realizes that they'll need weapons if they want to take on literally anyone else on the Immersturm. Um, and Tyvar reaches into the Earth itself and starts to transmute um, two metal axes for Kaya. They just grow like daisies. And he snaps <laughs> them off and it's like, here, have two axes. And that's rad as hell. Like, again, he's still an elf. He's like growing plants, but they're metal axes with transmutation it's just it's very cool and it's also at this point that kaya is reconsidering her decision to <laughs> accompany tyvar on this quest uh she really doesn't have any reason to go after like she has a reason to go after tybalt but she's being paid to hunt the monster that's on this plane so she considers leaving but then is deciding to stay um, and the kind of comedic culmination of that comes when uh, Tyvar reveals that there's a blood crag. She says, great, perfect, blood crag. Briefly, she considered if it wasn't too late to turn this boat around. Nobody was paying her for Tybalt's head after all. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, I, uh, this was supposed to be an easy job and now I'm in way over my head. Which seemed to be the... The general gist of Kaya's yeah. job offers that she takes. Vetting clients is important. And they begin ascending the Blood Crag, um, and they see a, a shining light. It is a legion of demon ships that are approaching over the lake. Um, but they also encounter Tybalt, who creates this doubtful ash cloud that fills, or that comes over both um, Kaya and Tyvar. And it tries to tempt Kaya into falling into those doubts where she was thinking she could just leave right now and never have to come back and never have to actually bother about the people of this world. Um, and then she realizes Tyvar is still fighting, 
and Tyvar is fighting successfully against Tybalt. Tyvar has no doubts. Uh, he is too young and naive to <laughs> doubt himself in this instance, um, and Tybalt is also taken off guard. I would like to interject saying Tyvar hasn't failed, so what doubts could he have? I'm just saying, like... I think Kai is putting a little bit of projection on to him, thinking, you know, she's had her errors dealing with Bolas, not vetting her clients hard enough. <laughs> but, you know, Tyvar, he has yet to fail. So what doubts should he have? Just putting that out there. I want to read her line in this moment because it's very good. By the ancients, she thought. He's too young, too arrogant, too dumb to doubt himself. And thank the gods of Kaldheim for that. This is our biggest moment of elf himbo representation because he's just, he just, he doesn't know how to feel bad about himself because he just thinks everything is going to go right and it's wonderful. He just doesn't know any better. I, I believe it was either you or Jay that had described him as Gaston before. Uh-huh. Um, and I, yeah, he... I agree with that uh, obliviousness. <laughs> Hey, uh-huh. he, he's he's got that cishet white male confidence and hey work it there's nuance to the obliviousness but like part of it is definitely there like he is arrogant and he is oblivious not to like a fault but those are traits that are present in Tyvar uh and I and I, I really like the delicate balancing that goes along with his character with those traits and I like that it also shows, like, a limit to Tybalt's powers. Like, he can only work with what you give him. So yeah. if you give him no ground, then he's not going to be able to actually torture you. <laughs> he's just gonna uh, very confusingly ash cloud you. He's not a character who jumps into your mind to shred it. He tends to your anxieties like a garden. And then chokes the life. <laughs> the things he grows that's his torture like kaya is here doubting the whole time and tyvar's just like i'm just gonna be the hero and they're gonna sing my praises for all eternity for beating up this little this little yeah. weird red man sometimes you just like punch a twink because you're too <laughs> dumb to do anything else <laughs> rude uh tybalt is able to escape relatively unscathed um but not before taunting kaya about what he has achieved so far before leaving um kaya is able to recover the sword of the realms that tybalt has left behind but there is a very 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 large opening in the sky where they are able to see multiple realms of uh call time appear to them and that is exactly where that demon ship is headed tyvar realizes that like now is his heroic moment where he can actually continue on and kaya realizes like this is a much bigger job than she had even signed up for when just accompanying tyvar on this quest so she considers falling into those fears and running but tyvar is just basically like you make your own decision and leaves through his door and she decides to follow him and that's the end of the story what do we think it's really good character moments for all three of these characters. Um, it's a lot of fighting, which I know Brian appreciates. It's not... I think the way I want to describe it is that this is like really a transitional story. This is the thing that is getting us from 
okay, here's the pieces the first three stories set up. This is the story that gets us to the end, um, to the to the last episode. In the way that Tyvar built a bridge across the lake, the stories are bridge to the finale. So I don't I don't have like a lot to say about it, um, other than really good action sequences. I I like how um, how the action in general in these stories have been written. Yeah, I liked it. I think I'll have a lot to say at the end of this recap, and I'll actually be there for this episode and not moving like I was for uh, <laughs> Zendikar Rising. But when you only have five stories to work with, and this is something that um, new from another server, his name is N-I-U, um, Nyaduk, and he had mentioned it, but like you don't get that many breathing spaces for characters to actually shine through to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, when you only have five main stories to work with. Like, obviously, you can develop things um, and get access to those side stories like we had for Nico or that we had for Zareth Sands and Akiri in the previous set. But, like, there just isn't... Five stories is not a whole lot of space to work with. So it's, like, applaudable that we were able to get so much Tyvar reveal and Tybalt reveal and Kaya development in pretty much a single story of just like them interacting with each other um mm-hmm. and that's not even to speak to the fourth planeswalker who's going to come in later so uh I yeah I I'm saving pacing thoughts till next week because I have more to say about that but we need to get through the fifth story for that yeah um but uh I do have one thing to say I love the ending where Tyvar kind of turns Kaya's talks about the ethics of going to all these different planes and leaving a, a mark on those planes. But when the going gets rough on this plane, <laughs> she's getting re- she's trying to convince Tyvar to leave and abandon his home plane. And after another planeswalker has done a huge amount of harm to it, and he turns it back on her, is like, like you're leaving after this planeswalker has done all this other stuff and you've seen the harm that it's going to cause how like if i'm if you're talking to me about how planeswalkers do all of this and you're still willing to leave i want no part of planeswalking yeah so it is a very powerful moment for for tyvar especially like his mindset and how he approaches uh like dangers you know he's 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 very much the, the, the good guy in whatever story that he's involved in, or he, at least that's what he goes into it with. So, Yeah, his exact words are, so this is what your kind does, disappears as soon as the world pitches in the direction you don't care for, which is like, that's, that's exactly what yeah. Planeswalkers have done up to this point. And I think the Gatewatch is a good step away from that direction um, and showing some accountability in um, Planeswalkers like taking responsibility for their own actions on a world, but it's also like the mending happened as a result of many, many, many planeswalkers uh, fucking up in different ways. And we didn't really leave Dominaria for a long time. So we kind of only have a 10 to 15 year sample size that is like largely Dominaria and not a whole bunch of planeswalkers that were off Dominaria. But at the same time, like you can see what that damage does and what that damage has done to other worlds like Amonkhet after the fact, so. Or, uh, oh, what's the one in Ice Age number three? Azorius, Azor- Azoria, or whatever Azoria. it is. yeah. Definitely <laughs> not named the, after the, Azor. <laughs> the one where Fraelis destroys literally every island on the plane, yeah. Yeah. 
and I think it's like I it's not easy to throw around like obscure plane names but it's like there have been a lot of things that were just like if these two planeswalkers weren't duking it out here uh the people on this world would probably have a much much better time uh mm-hmm. zen or Indistrad for a premier example like um the only reason we necessarily had to have emerical was there was because two two pre-mending planeswalkers decided that they needed to fight it out there yeah uh this is again <laughs> Because we can't go too long without me talking about Distant Planes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, Tapestries and Distant Planes just really deal with that pre-mending Planeswalker thing of, hey, we're just going to, like, show up in a world, wreck havoc, and leave. And the people of the world have their lives entirely destroyed, and they have to pick up the wreckage and, and make do. And I think where this bigger thread goes is, like, keep in mind, this is, like, the first real story with Kaya as a member of the Gatewatch. You know, she she gets involved in Ravnica's stuff for her own benefit, and then obviously gets caught up in War of the Spark, because everyone gets caught up in War of the Spark, <laughs> practically. Um, and, you know, th- this is a moment where she has the choice. Is, is she going to treat this like a job and keep it professional, or is she going to do the thing that she swore an oath to do and protect a world from another planeswalker's meddling? And I guess we're gonna find out next week uh, how that went. I also do think it's a little hilarious that she's like, or I believe Tyvar asked in the story, like, oh, and like other people can travel in between planes. And she's like, no, it's just planeswalkers. And it's like, Warren Klex is right here, right here in the Kaldheim set. Like, there there are omen paths of a very sinister variety that are obviously being used and developed right now. But for the most part, it's planeswalkers. Just tell them that. Oh, there's there's uh, there's a very good line in an earlier story where uh, she's like comparing and contrasting Kaldheim to the multiverse. And she's like musing on cosmos monsters. Then it's like, it, that's one of the big differences, because, you know, there's nothing really lurking out in the Blind Eternities. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like, oh, she doesn't know. No, yeah. Oh, you sweet summer child. And I, and I think that's... I, I, I really like when characters have limited scope of what they know. And um, I, I appreciate that one. But anyway, I, I, I think that's enough on, on this one story, because we do have another story to talk about. Uh, this is our uh, fourth side story called Direction, Purpose, Honor, glory this story is by miguel lopez who you might remember from zendikar rising uh he wrote the two uh um akiri and zarasan stories which uh, i i both liked tremendously and uh this is the first of our uh a set of two stories about the kaldheim commander deck commanders the face commanders and so this first one talks about reynar who is a spirit in istvel and uh, the thing about being a ghost uh, is that you have to die. And and this story opens up with Reynar waking up after his death. And uh, he, he finds himself in this barren, frozen wasteland, um, feeling very ghostly, realizing, hey, I wonder what happened to those kids I was just protecting. Realizing that he's just very tired. Like, he pulls arrows out of his body, and it heals, and his armor heals with it, and he's just like, yeah, 
just I'm just tired. And <laughs> he doesn't really know where to go, so he just kind of yeets his axe into the air, and it falls onto the ground. And wherever it points, he just starts walking. He picks a direction, uh, and and he starts walking, and he sees uh, two. Uh, he first describes them as twin green sons of Istvel before realizing that they're the glowing eyes of a cosmos being just outside the uh, the the realm. And uh, he's, a, he's a big wolf just uh, kind of sitting outside Istvel and he raises his axe because, hey, maybe maybe this is his chance because, you know, he should he thinks he should have gone to, gone to Starnheim and. Clearly, the Valkyries made a mistake, but if he's he, if he's in Isfel, he's going to do great things here and earn his chance in Starnheim. And then he realizes, like, hey, it's not brave to try and fight a Cosmos monster with my axe alone. That's just foolish. That won't get me into Starnheim. And he's like, eh, and starts walking in another direction. He encounters this graveyard filled with these giant cairns, and, like, they seem familiar and as he wanders around, like, echoes of memory start returning to him of the, the fortress uh, that he guarded, the children he protected, the omen path that swallowed them. Um, and he encounters a, a spirit who grabs his leg and starts warning about um, some mysterious thing. And he says the word Egon. And, and Raynar is just very confused until he sees... Uh, in the distance, a bunch of cairns toppled and destroyed, the rocks being uh, chewed and buried, and there's a bunch of wispy spirits around, just, uh, he calls them the cairn eaters. It's creepy. Oh, the imagery here was very good. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Um, and so uh, he sneaks by, and uh, more time passes, and he's just very tired, and it's hard to remember things. Uh, and he, he believes he approaches a river, um, which turns out to be a whole bunch of spirits just marching in a line. And he follows them for a while, thinking, hey, maybe this is the place I could try and ford this stream of bodies. Uh, but worried that he'll get caught up in them. And then uh, two, two ghostly demons see him and uh, are like, hey, what the hell are you doing? And he's like... Look, I'm just here. I'm just dead. I'm just just walking. And uh, they're like, well, it's fine. As long as you don't mess with our people here, you know, you're free to go. And he's just like, okay, but what if I kill some demons? Maybe I can get into <laughs> Starnheim. And so these de these demons attack him. And he, like, takes, like, three steps and a couple axe swings and a block to kill these demons. Uh, he's a, you know, demonstrates his fighting prowess. Because, uh, you know, he should be in Starnheim. And the people are just like, yeah, we're free, but, like, just go on your way. Don't worry about us. And, uh, he finds himself at the gates of Istfel, this giant wall that uh, protects the realm. And it's so quiet and silent. And he's just so tired and forgetful. And he doesn't really know how much time has passed days centuries millennia how many people have come and gone past him till this young boy shows up who seems so full of life uh, and this little brat calls himself bjorn and as he grows uh gets closer to reynar reynar feels himself invigorated more full of life and bjorn is like hey 
you, are you Raynar? And Raynar's like, yeah, who's asking? And Bjorn is all, look, I'm supposed to be in Starnheim, and I know how to get there, and you're gonna help me. And Raynar's like, okay, this could also be my chance to get to Starnheim, we'll see. Uh, and, uh, you know, Raynar kind of con uh, becomes convinced when Bjorn is like, oh, yeah, back on the surface, we have all kinds of sagas about, about Raynar and, and your heroic defense of these children. And Raynar's like, yeah, see, exactly. People are talking about me. Let's go do some heroics. And, like, maybe uh, the Valkyries will see uh, down here in this Forgotten Realm. Uh, but not like D&D Forgotten Realms. That's, that's a couple sets from now. It's a little magic humor there for you. <laughs> <laughs> Bjorn is like, yeah, we got to kill these kings because my family built this tower. And then, like, his son built a tower. And then his son built a tower. And we're going to go all the way to the top and cut a hole into Starnheim. That's where I deserve to go. And so they kill one king. Uh, and all these spirits just disappear. And Raynor feels more alive, more invigorated. Uh, bits of his body, bits of his feeling are starting to come back. And they go kill another king. And Raynor is like, starting to realize, hey, wait a sec. All the dead people, after we kill a king, just kind of disappear. Where do they go? And, like, I see those cosmos wolf eyes on the horizon. This is weird. I don't know if this is the right thing. And, and they get to the final king. One thing to note there is that the last king, the second king, actually injures Raynar, and his he's actually feeling the pain of it. And uh, yeah, like like I said, like his body is actually starting to come back, and he's feeling pretty good about this because you know you need to be alive to go to Starnheim, and so they they uh, kill the third king, and and right before uh, Bjorn kills him, the third king is like. Because uh, Bjorn has been wearing um, this raven helm from the second king. Uh, and the third king is like, take off your hat, show me your real face. So Bjorn takes off his hat. And this arrogant child unfurls into Egon, the god of death, who lifts up his sight and slays this third king. And he looks up into the sky as this golden seam tears open and he sees the black waters of the lake surrounding Starnheim. And he's like, finally, it is my time to go where I deserve. Except, Furia. Uh, this, is, this is the legendary Valkyrie we have who's both uh, a Reaper and why can't I think of the other one? It's uh, Reaper and Shepherds. Shepherds, there we go. Yeah, so, so Furia descends and is like, Egon, what the hell are you doing? I keep telling you, you can't come in. It's not your time yet. I have foreseen that when the gods enter Starnheim, it will be the end of all things, and I'm not ready for that. So stay put, you little twerp. <laughs> in much higher language than that. <laughs> <laughs> it was much more sophisticated than that. Um, but, that, I mean, that's the gist of it. And, and Egon is, like, pouty, like a child, even though he's very old. He's, like, this angsty teenager body. Um, and, uh, you know, Furia picks up the two halves of Raynor's broken axe and fuses them back together. And is like, here, look, buddy, I've seen you before. You've been, you're not here every time. 
Egon does this, but you hear a lot of the times, and Raynor's like, you saying I've been here before? What the hell? <laughs> and Fury's like, oh yeah, every time this happens, we kill Egon, his body, you know, he's fine, his essence returns to the cosmos, he'll find his way back eventually, and you go back down, and, and you are the guardian of Isfel, but, and, and uh, Raynor, like, starts to remember, like, oh, that's right. Uh, but every time he goes back down, because of the dreariness of Istfel, he just over time loses his memory. Uh, and then Egon returns and does this again, um, once once Reynar forgets. And so uh, Furia uh, instructs him to slay Egon, and he just, like, bonks him with his axe and kills him. Quote-unquote kills him. Because uh, you can't really kill a god that easily. Um, and his body just kind of dissolves into dust and flies away. And he, and, and Rainer, you know, stands on top of this tower and looks across all of Istfel and is like, yeah, okay. I could, I could, I could deal with my fate here. Be a guardian. That's kind of a, kind of a neat thing. Uh, and the, uh, the story ends with him back at the gates of Istfel, barely remembering uh, who he is, or what his story has been, or all these adventures that have transpired over the centuries as uh, more more and more people are shepherded down uh, to to the gates of the dead. And it's this is not a time loop story, but it's like has the same... It feels essence. like it, yeah. Um, and I like those kinds of stories. This obviously has the critical part of not remembering that it's a, like a loop. But uh, I, I guess like time loops, not the word. cyclical is just the, the word I want. But uh, I appreciated that turn uh, at, at the end of the story of, of uh, not because because I saw the Egon twist. But then the this has happened before twist. And I was like, oh, my God, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I liked this one. I, I didn't see that coming. It kind of shocked me for a second. I was like. But, but what about the axe? How, like, how many times is the axe broken, and how many times has she fixed it? And how has he not noticed? But then, like, maybe the axe didn't get broken in the previous ones, or maybe he just doesn't remember what his axe looks like. And there's, like, there's just enough vagueness in the story to where all of it's possible, and it's really interesting, and I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I like these kind of, um, as you described them, cyclical stories in, like, actual mythology. Um, they're pretty rare, but I still enjoy this as Magic's iteration of it. Yeah. The kid coming back as Bjorn 2 at the end of the story, though. Tasteless. Um, just, <laughs> just didn't even come up with a new name. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't think I have a, lot, a whole lot of thoughts on this one either, other than like, yeah, this was, this was a neat little story. I, I love that this, uh, new story structure has given us, um, given us, uh, the opportunity to have these stories um especially like for the commander products like i i love that because we got the the anawan and the um Obun stories for zendikar and and we have uh, a reynar story and um next week we'll talk about the what's her face story lathril lathril, lathril. there we go elf god yeah it's very strange to a remember that commander is like 
not a yearly thing anymore with four decks. It is five decks even before then, and it's just like a a company regular sets. What were you gonna say, Brian? I mean, technically, there's the 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 four that like the set commander decks aren't really like super focused with a whole ton of new cards. Like I think there's like six new cards per deck. But that that doesn't really matter. That's why I stopped talking. But. Oh, are they still doing like actual four four of commander deck series? Because I've honestly, yeah, it's four or five of. But yeah, I dropped off with the Ikoria information as soon as I saw that Ikoria was getting tied to it, and then we got two for Zendikar Rising. I was like, okay, this is the yes. way it is. So what happened last year is the um, the Commander twenty twenty release was tied to Ikoria, and then um, starting with Zendikar Rising. And then in Commander Legends and Kaldheim, the uh, Planeswalker decks slash intro deck whatever thing is now Commander decks. Yeah, so that's that's how those products exist with sets now. I, I don't know what's been announced about other sets coming out soon, so I'm not going to say anything about them. Yeah, I would safely assume two Commander decks per standard set, but at the same time... Um... If Commander Legends has one, cool. If Modern Horizons has one, that'd be sick. <laughs> but I won't uh, hold my breath for that. From what I've seen, people have been like pretty happy with these. I I do know that they did increase the the new card count for the Caldheim ones, and uh, like we we got some like very Fortel focused cards in in the Reinar deck, and some very Elf focused cards in the uh, Elf deck, and I think that's neat. Um, I I like when we get good useful things pointed at a set theme like that. Oh, my point B was going to be that for the commander, yeah, made a point A, never made a point B. Point B was that the commander deck stories do not necessarily have to be tied to the main set story, but they have the advantage of just being like not as heavily dictated by plot beats as anything else. And, like, it's it's a breath of fresh air. It's not a breath of fresh air in the same way that, like, more slow main set stories were. Um, mm-hmm. Back when we had, like, a dozen set stories per set or block. But in a very different way where I feel like people will appreciate them more and actually probably give them more reading than um, they would as a standalone product um, when Commander sets rarely had their own actual fiction to go along with them. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know how many people have actually like read the uh, the Marin story or um, the old. Uh, I guess t- technically it's a Karloff story, but the old uh, Tesa stories. Um, there were there were uh, two of them, and um, oh Kalia, there we go. Had a had a two parter way back when. Uh, yeah. when it was, it was the column was Uncharted Realms. Uh, I believe Jenna Helland wrote those. Yes. Yeah. The Stone Killer. I like those stories. Those those are two very good stories. It's strange to... I mean, people wanted Commander set stories for a long time, and a lot mm-hmm. of the time it was like, oh, you got these very, very cool story characters that are coming back, and then no fiction to go along with them. Or in the strange case, it would be like one, um, one piece of fiction that covered one character of the five, or two pieces mm-hmm. to only cover two out of the five characters. They just never had the resources for that and i think this is i mean this is a great way to release the commander decks as is but it's also a great way to 
facilitate commander storytelling without having to actually set aside commander story dates in the calendar away from Mm -hmm. the main set yeah and like i the thing i really liked with the uh the akoria decks is uh they were able to put jarena in the um in the the human stack in in the mardu deck uh, as a commander card uh rather than being the main set she's has plenty of flavor text in in the main set (laughs) um and uh as as a character who's important to the story like she, she gets to have a card that is very specifically pushed for that format, which is, like, like where a character like that is going to be most played, rather than have to have her tailored for standard and maybe not be as impactful in Commander as the, they might want um, a more niche lore character like that to be. And I think that was that was neat. Um, and uh, uh, that that is a kind of space that we get to explore a little bit. Like, so, like, we'll, we'll talk about it next week, but, like, Lathril is one of the Einar, one of these older gods that, uh, you know, don't have anything to do with Kaldheim's current story, so there's, like, no space for that kind of legend in the set, but the, the commander deck gets to explore that space. And, you know, like, Zendikar Rising got to bring Anawan back, uh, and... <laughs> longtime fan favorite character from that world and uh got to get a fantastic new piece of fiction about him uh also Obun was like a really deep cut and i thought that was cool like like there's just there's just cool things you can do when when you tie legends into stories like that and then actually get stories about them uh well it sounds like it is time for final thoughts uh, my final thought is um, if you like supporting marginalized creators, especially in the video game industry, uh, you can head over to Kickstarter. There is a game called The Sky Left Us, a queer sci-fi Ooh. visual novel um, that that is uh, a couple days out from its goal. Uh, their uh, their goal is thirty five thousand. As we're recording, they're at thirty thousand seven hundred fifty nine. So they are they're very close, and I would very much love them to uh, to reach this goal. Uh, visual novels are not a genre that I have a tremendous amount of experience with, but um, the the experience I do have is with these uh, s- smaller smaller indie queer projects, and they've been fantastic. Um, this one is. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just read the little uh, kind of small promotional blurb here. Uh, the Sky Left Us is a sci-fi visual novel about climate change, classism, and how relationships shape our politics. Play as Spire Rison, an off-worlder scientist who becomes entangled in the drama of a mountain they came here to save. Fall in with the denizens of the three castes and find that things are more complicated than they seem. From love family to the systems that shape us so like this is a game that is exploring uh relationships uh societies uh power structures uh queer love um all wrapped up in once with a, a non-binary protagonist and um it's really cool again this is the project is uh the sky left us on kickstarter um it is uh uh twenty dollars is the tier level that gets you uh, the game. Uh, they're also releasing the OST as one of the reward things. There's some stretch goals. Seems very cool. I'm very excited about this project. And uh, 
if if that sounds like your jam, go support it. I really, really, really want to get this funded. Um, I actually saw that from Aisha, who I follow. Um, they did Homestuck 2, actually. Uh, but I'm also aware that they have written some upcoming fiction for Strixhaven, at least high-end fiction. I'm not sure what level exactly, but yes, that is a very good person to support. So, uh, My final thought is uh, to always tell people that you love that you love them when you can, because sometimes they don't remember, or they're not able to remember, um, or, yeah, Alzheimer sucks. So that's all I have to say. <sighs> I'm sorry for you. That's, yeah, extremely tough. My final thought is... It's been quiet the last week. I've played some Destiny 2, the latest season. But that's pretty much that's pretty much it. I'm just going to be on a Destiny 2 grind for the foreseeable future. It's a, it's a very, very good time. <laughs> a lot of people call it space chores for a reason, just because you get to... <laughs> You get to do your space chores every single day. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my one partner plays it and has been uh, gleefully info dumping about the uh, current season story. So I've, I've heard uh, some some uh, some very fun things about it. For being like a nine-year-old game, astonishing amount of lore behind it because they do have like yeah. flavor text for weapons and uh, a whole bunch of in-game fiction that you can actually discover and read in the game itself but um it's very very intimidating and i haven't even started to like try to understand the lore <laughs> part of it just because i enjoy the gameplay too much and then not looking to dedicate another two years to <laughs> back back reading another franchise so i'll sit tight L- legit though as someone who obviously went very hard on one game's lore uh, and I've, in fact, gone very hard on multiple games' lores. Uh, sometimes it's really nice to just enjoy a game for what it is and not have to, like, throw your entire being into it. <laughs> um, that, that is a thing that you can still do. And uh, you you may not, listeners out there, want to throw your entire being into your podcast, but you might want to throw a little bit of money into it uh, because you like our show and would like us to keep making the show. And uh, if that is something that you want to do, you can head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast and start supporting us today. Everyone who does gets access to our Discord community, where Vorthoses from around the world are talking about magic. Uh, some interesting news about Strixhaven just dropped, namely that it is magic schools in general and not one specific franchise that we're not going to talk about <laughs> um, which is finally a thing that is public because i don't have to scream that in my head anymore uh, i love strict saving it's my work on it is i think fantastic the world is great everything about it is like so good i'm very excited um but uh you know we're discussing a lot of other very cool things like wandavision and uh the the upcoming mcu stuff a lot of other nerdy things as well and uh, we would love for you listeners to be a part of that. So, uh, like I said, head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. And, and uh, just all you have to do is minimum $1 a month. And, and you get to be part of that community. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of wonderful folks. And, uh, you know, we appreciate uh, everyone. We do have a dedicated movies and TV spoiler chat. In case you were 
uh, wanting to talk about the latest WandaVision reveal where Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire, actually comes to her door and he's delivering a pizza and she says it's 30 minutes late and then he has to give it to her for free. Very strange scene, but I think it meant a lot to the fans, so. Dang it, Carrie. <laughs> I love, I love Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, even though I haven't rewatched it in probably, probably a decade now. All right. Uh, that's that's where we're going to leave off this episode. So uh, thank you for listening, everyone. This has been the Vorthos Cast.